0: Now back into the show.
1: Self-storage is based on life events. So age, relocation, downsizing, putting all your stuff and hitting the road in an RV, death in the family, expanding your family, job relocation, etc. It's a disruptor asset class. It's not just because Americans have too much stuff. (laughs) Americans have too much stuff for sure, but it's not just that. It is the world happens, and when there's bad things in the world that happen, like COVID, people are going to use self-storage more because there's more change in their life.
0: Welcome to Investing in the U.S., a podcast for real estate investors, business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. Join Reed as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. Welcome to Investing in the US. My name is Reid Goossens, and we're coming to you live from IIREC, the Intelligent Investor Real Estate Conference, here in Manhattan Beach, California. And today, I am sitting down with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show. I haven't <laughs> seen you in—I haven't seen you in a little while, but you have not actually been on Investing in the US podcast. So no, I haven't. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you, thank you, Reid. Appreciate you having me, mate. We've—we've—we've have yeah. uh, we've, we've, we've not i have known Ryan for a little bit of time now. He is with Spartan Investments. They are self-storage operation. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about how they've scaled from nothing over the last couple of years and what they're going to be doing coming here into 2022. But Ryan, for those people who don't know who you are, maybe give us a bit of a background on where you've come from, how you got into the real estate space and and, and, what what you sort of built to this point.
1: We started as a residential developer and I have a previous background as an airline pilot. And so worked in, lived in DC for uh, a number of years and met my business partner there. And we started and scaled Spartan investment group focusing on development as a core competency and eventually we picked an asset class uh, which is storage uh, that we could scale our business from and uh, that's really been a nice asset to be in. And
0: when you say development, what were you doing in that space because I also was in developer structural engineer went to oh, nice <laughs> went to went to work for a developer here in Los Angeles but yeah what was your background in in, in, the, in the working in the DC area? Scott, my business partner,
1: had some background in building houses and some in development. Uh, Really, we just dove in and we started building houses from the ground up. We did some land entitlement deals and just sort of worked our way through the process uh, and got into condo development where we would take a townhouse and convert it into multiple condos, etc. But really, you know, when we started thinking about storage, you know, we've gone on to develop thousands and thousands of units of storage, and we focus now on buying existing self-storage and then adding on to those units, but we also do ground up development. So when you ask uh, kind of our our background and experience has been to surround ourselves with people like you who have a structural engineering background, (laughs) who are a civil engineer, who are an architect, and we assemble the professional team of, you know, trades to come together to help us design the project in a way that conforms to the underwriting and Mm -hmm. the best highest in use to build the, you know, the, the best, most profitable storage facility we can
0: build. And I've said a little bit a few times on this show, for those people who have listened for many, many years, I always think of investments like the food triangle, right? So yeah. think of the good foods on the bottom. The, the, <laughs> and then as you go up the stack, you know, development being at the peak, being the highest risk, um, but it's also a part of the portfolio. Sure. But as a good foundation, you always wanna be putting in cash flowing assets. So sure. having that background in, in, in development I, and knowing your personal story, Obviously, your development is is just one arm of what you do, right? Right. But having that good foundation of cash-flowing assets, of buying existing assets, talk to me a little bit about that because that seems to be where you've really scaled, right? That's where a lot of groups, including myself, we've been able to go out and build a company quickly to then go and do cool, sexy stuff right. like those, <laughs> like the construction at the top, which is high risk, takes longer time, that doesn't yield, you know, it yields a lot of money, but just. It's not cash flowing from day one. So, talk to right. me a little bit about the, the existing know, buying.
1: That's interesting you say that because I feel like we we ate the dessert before the, <laughs> yeah. the main food. Groups. Right, right, right. right. Uh, we started with development and then got into cash flow. Got it. Okay. So, you know, it's tough. I mean, you know, for a new developer who's thinking about building a new storage or building anything from the ground up, you've got to have the cash and resources available. And what a lot of people don't think about it, and you, we know this in the syndication space, is you've got to fee your, pro- you've got to charge a developer yep. fee for that project, yep, or you're going to end up working
0: at Starbucks on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, because so, you know, it's, it's so capital, it's so yeah. labor intensive. You have to have a payroll, correct. Very quickly, yes. to deal with the cities, to deal with the GCs, to deal with entitlements, and that's before you even put a shovel in the ground, correct? Right? And that can take yeah. years, yes, right? So you're only one person, and I, I just know from experience, I was employed in a former life as an entitlement person. Right. right. I, I would work for the developer to go running around to the city hassling them to say, hey, come on, let's get this project going. You know we're hiring for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Here's your W two back. Yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um we'll so, put you into some deals. Yeah, yeah. So then talk to me about that transition into the we'll call it the foundational food group. Uh because yes. that, that I think that is where people And I want to get into your scaling and what you've built today. Sure. Yeah. Getting into the
1: cash flowing assets has been very helpful to producing monthly reoccurring revenue for your business so that you can continue to scale and hire. And, you know, it's very difficult to start with ground up development to do that. Again, charge the fees, make sure that you have some kind of reoccurring revenue so that you can fuel your company to be successful. I always when I look at somebody who's doing ground up development, I always make sure that that sponsor is charging fees because I want to know that that person's paying attention, has the resources to pay attention to that project. So our pivot to cash flowing assets came when we met Ben Lapidus. Got it. Ben had a strong financial background, really understood. Uh, cash flowing businesses, uh, kind of more M and A, and acquisitions. That's kind of what we're doing, right? We're buying a self storage business, we're taking it over, you know, we're bringing it into our portfolio. And I think that transition really comes with uh, the requirement to have a strong financial background. You've got to have a very strong finance team. Mm-hmm. You've got to have great CPAs, great accountants, great uh, you know cost seg- study companies, you know, and you've got to have a good year end process for your taxes and you know, are you sending out monthly distributions for that? Because if you're getting into cash flowing assets, investors are going to expect some kind of a frequency of distributions to be interested in our cash flowing deal versus somebody else's, you know, due to your investments quarterly or distributions quarterly or monthly. And I think having those processes down really helps, um, you know, get get into that space and be successful at it.
0: I'm going to pivot back to um, the self-storage niche and Jen from a high level, just just for the podcast, just for the listeners out there. Give me a 30 second to a minute pitch of what you're doing and why self-storage is a thing in the United States. I know we spoke about it yesterday where it first came from, yeah. but in anyway, a it's come to and I want to get back to the scaling of your business because that's really important and, and, and part of what I love talking about. But let's just for the listeners talk about why invest in self-storage. Because self-storage is based
1: on life events. So age, relocation, downsizing, putting all your stuff and hitting the road in an RV, death in the family, expanding your family, job relocation, etc. cetera. It's a disruptor asset class. It's not just because Americans have too much stuff. Americans <laughs> have too much stuff for sure, but it's not just that. It is the world happens. And when there's bad things in the world that happen, like COVID, people are going to use self storage more because there's more change in their life. My example that I give is I don't like self storage. I don't like using self storage. I I mean, I don't mind it, but I use self storage right now because I have a growing family. I'm renovating and expanding my house and I needed to clear out my belongings and put them into self storage. And I thought it'd only be a three, three or four months, but like any development, um, there's always mission creep. And so now my stuff's been there for like six months. Uh, But, you know, people are always going to use storages and businesses use storage. So probably 30% of our customers are furniture staging companies, contractors, Mm. Little League teams, you know, Chamber of Commerce, whatever it might be. People need self-storage, not just for stuff, but they need it for business use. There's a lot of HOAs and covenant restrictions now on new home developments. So you can't put your utility truck in your driveway anymore. You got to put it in a storage facility. Interesting. So I think it's um, it does really well when the economy is booming and people have a lot of things. It does really well when the economy is being disrupted, and that's why I think if you look over the fat the last four dips in GDP, sub storage occupancy has been perfectly
0: consistent. hasn't yes. dropped. hasn't followed GDP at all. It's completely uncorrelated asset. Let's talk a little bit about the investment side of it and how what makes a good self-storage. You and I were speaking yesterday about the correlation of the square footage availability in a sort of one, two, three, sure. four-mile radius, and maybe talk a little bit about where you're investing around the country. Like, are you investing in Los Angeles or are you investing yes. in secondary and tertiary
1: markets? Right, so we stay in the tertiary and secondary markets because if you're going into the primary markets you're typically going to run into saturation problems there's overbuilding, a lot of competition it's expensive and if you get past all that you're going to be head to head with the reit public storage extra space life storage whatever it is and they're going to be better capitalized than you and they're going to they're going to basically eat your lunch (laughs) so as a smaller operator you know even with our size with a half a billion under management you know, we don't like competing with those. And you might just say, well, okay, well, why don't you just hire that property management company to run your business? But we all know that property management companies is just an acquisition scheme. They control your facility and that they control the
0: value, right? And and just say, I'm just going to jump in because for those people listening, what do you mean by that? Because the the majority in the multifamily space, we go out and hire a third-party property manager, right? Sure. In what you were telling me yesterday was that self-storage if you went and out out and hired a third party property manager, it nearly sounds like predatory lending. That they're sort of, they're, yeah, they're, 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 it it sounds good, great. You're gonna you're gonna manage my asset for me, but actually, tell the example that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, so you know, and I'm not talking about you know smaller property management companies and and you know and the kind of the one-off stuff. There's definitely property management companies out there that are well-intentioned, but what we saw through the pandemic, a very large self-storage company. I won't name them by name. <laughs> Uh, you know, cut their rates by 50 percent and artificially lowered the revenue on a lot of these properties during the pandemic where we had rising rates, the highest occupancy the the industry has ever experienced and self-storage was extremely successful. Why were they cutting rates at all of their stores and the owners had no control over it? So we saw a lot of those facilities, those flag facilities go up for sale. And then we bid on even one of them. And at the last second that property management company came in and made an offer on the property because wow. they knew that the T12 had been beat up for so long. Because they controlled it. Because they control it, wow. so that, that they could come in and immediately add value through having the, the, the rate increases. At the end of the day, we do our own property management. We have our own brand because it's a risk mitigation strategy. We, we focus on NOI. You know, a property management company, there might be a little bit of misalignment because they focus on a percentage of gross revenue so it's just a strategy that's why we chose one of the reasons why we chose self storage as a vertical because we knew that we could build a proper you know prop co inside of spartan to do that right um and, and other than that you know I, I think it's just uh you know we control the whole process and it helps with the investor experience because sure. we have a little bit more you're very over, exactly yep. yep
0: talk to me about the metrics of that self-storage we were talking about yesterday yes, about yep. the price i oh, sorry not price per pound the self-storage requirement per person in an area. So when you go into these secondary and tertiary markets, what are you looking for in that
1: metric? Sure. So the easiest way to explain this is in the United States, the average square foot per person is about 5.2 or 5.4 per, per, uh, per person. So let's just use some round numbers to make sure. this easy. Let's say there's 100 people in the room and you have a five square foot average utilization in that room, that'd be 500 square feet right? And let's say that there was a, you know, there was 300 square foot facilities around that room. Well, your unmet demand is 100 square feet. So then you have to look at, okay, how many square feet do I want to build? And do I have the demand to go into that market? So when you look at self storage, if you're in Indianapolis, you know, or Indiana, where they have basements, the square feet Per person may be a little bit lower on the saturation. Right. But if you go down to Texas where there's no basements, the saturation number might go up into the twenties. Right, right, right. So when you look at a property, you can't just say, well, the national saturation is five, you know, you're saying it's twenty down here, that seems very oversaturated. Right. It really depends on the market. So you've got to look around at the surrounding cities, get benchmarks that provide you with the demand and then see what the demand is at your subject site and what people are using in your market to determine an over or under supply of storage. Uh, but really we look at, we mystery shop all the competitors, we look at all the pricing, we try to make sure that we understand the whole market, do a whole feasibility study to make a conclusion. You know, that, that demand number isn't just the conclusion, there's many factors that play into that number um, other other than just the saturation number. It's
0: just a good, you know, kind of pulse. Sure, 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 sure. So. so just to repeat it for the for the, for the, uh, the listeners, if you're in an area, if you're looking, let's just choose anywhere. In a five-mile radius, you have 10,000 people who live in that area and you might have 5.2 uh, need of square footage per person. So you're going to have 10,000 times 5.2, 50,000 square feet need. You then would go in and look at all the self-storage facilities in that five-mile radius and you would deduct and then see whatever the delta is. So if you had for 10,000 square foot storage facilities, we know that there's a delta there of a 10,000 square feet that needs to be filled. So with that being said, are you building or are you buying existing when you look at that, if there's a discrepancy? Sure, so no matter what we do, we always do the study. Yep. And I will say that we've done the
1: study and we found that the study didn't match reality on both sides. Wow, we have so much unmet demand in this market. We're gonna just we're gonna kill it, and it goes okay. Okay. Sometimes we say, "Oh my gosh, we wouldn't do that property because it's got bad numbers, bad demand numbers," and we'll look at it and we'll find a story. Maybe it's a really bad operator, or just a really uh, you know maybe we just don't have good data. You know, sometimes there's gaps in data; it's not perfect. So if you can find a story, sometimes it works out a little bit better. So that data is just kind of a where are we at? And there's a million different ways to manipulate that data. and I really wanted to stress that. Right. You mentioned radius, mm-hmm. you know, one mile, three mile, five mile radius around a storage property. That's, not, that's as the crow flies. Right. So what we do, what makes us unique is we actually paint a drive time map. Mm, I like that, right? Yes. Because if there's a lake there, you can't capture those customers. And the three mile circle because it may take them an hour to go around the lake or having right. you know whatever yeah, yeah, it might yeah, be, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know that number is so if you if you shift it to a radius look versus, versus a, drive a drive mile, time, look, yep, your numbers it. are going to change, right, right? Right? And if right. you use, you know, well, what which which cities should I benchmark? Should I use those three cities or these three cities? That city is like way over here. This city is way over here. So again, it it you, you make small little adjustments to the data, and you could get a wildly different result. Right. So we're we're constantly looking at that. You know what? You know well. So we send our team there. I mean, that that you have to have your team. You have to have boots on the ground. You do the desktop study, sort of get a preliminary look, and then you go see what's happening. You go look at the vintage of your comparable. Uh, facilities. There's all these different things you have to do to make sure that hey, this matches up or this makes
0: sense. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. I, lo- I I love that. I'm very data driven. So, what other coming from the multifamily space? There's a lot of data out there. Co-stars of the yep. world, AC metrics. I assume they have that in self storage. Absolutely. We're we're co-star customers. You can look at Radius Plus, Radius as, plus a, okay. uh, as a as
1: uh, a metric. You know, Yardy even has a lot of reports. They're kind of getting into the self storage space. There's tons of different software and data, and a lot of it crosses over with multifamily. You know, we're looking at drive time data, population data, growth data, and we look—we only look in markets where there's population growth. Right. So we looked at the 4,500 metropolitan statistical areas in the United States, and we said, okay, which ones have the highest population growth, the best rent, the best rents for self-storage? and generally a net migration of jobs and income and, you know, positive things. We narrow that down to 150 markets. It's on our website. <laughs> and uh, that's where we look. So, you know, we don't look in Michigan. You know, we don't look in uh, most of Ohio, with the exception of maybe Columbus, okay. because most cities are shrinking population in the state. Um, you know, we don't look in, uh, you know, New York, you know, or, or, or Jersey. I'm not saying that that's, there's not a good, you know, of there. Yeah. But, you know, most of our properties are in states like Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida. Uh, We're in Wisconsin, but we're in the highest net, the highest net uh, positive uh, counties in the state of Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin's growing, and then we're in Dane and uh, Wascasa County, which are the two highest net migration of people. So we're looking where people are going, because people are what drive self-storage businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I love that, and thank you for explaining that. Now, back into the show. Let's now pivot into the growth of the business of Spartan Investments. Uh, I've known you guys for for many, many years. I I know Ben quite well, one of your founders. Talk to me about the growth, because you're at half a billion right now. I know in the beginning, maybe like all of us, starts (laughs) a little slow. (laughs) But now you've got a lot of employees. you have vertically integrated. You've got your own property management company. You've got your own construction company. How has that been and in, in, in what investments have you had to make over the years? Because we were talking yesterday a little bit about your the acquisitions team, but, but maybe just from a, a 30,000 foot level, how's the growth been over the last four or five years?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say there's been a couple of ingredients. Uh, the number one is culture. Yep. You know, mission, vision, values, and focus on culture and, and making that the number one important thing. So whatever that might be, you know, at our, at our company, we have a saying, invest in our values and our values are driven by our grit. And our grit is defined as growth, respect, integrity, tenacity and transparency. That's great. Right? And every week we re- recite the values as a, as a company on our team wide meeting. And we ask about how we're adhering to those values and we, we try to live those day in and day out and it makes it easier to identify who would be a good fit as an employee for a company. Yep. You know, we ask them, you know, how do you identify with the values? You know, which value do you maybe least identify with? Sure. Um, and you can really tell a lot by somebody who, if they've really done their research on the company and really want to work uh, for Spartan, you know, we can tell if, if they're a great fit.
0: That's, and so. I think it's so important as you're going out into the marketplace to hire good people. Yeah. Um, to 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 have that being at the forefront. Or if you don't meet these sort of criteria, or you don't, you don't, you're not on board. You're not. You're not going to get the job. Um, yep. But talk to me a little bit about the. You know, all all of us are entrepreneurs listening to this. You get to a stage where you think, I need to scale this business, which will require money, and right. also money comes from deals. Right. Yep. I might not have all the deals yet. Right. right? But right. I can go do more deals with more people. And so there's this dichotomy of like where you're you're sitting going, should I spend my my hard earned cash? on employees to help me go, instead of riding a tricycle, you can now, you know, in, in a car or from a car to a jet plane in terms of how fast you're moving down the highway. Sure, Talk to me a little bit about that and, and that that but decision in, in, in your uh, organic growth.
1: Yeah. So I'll speak about it personally and then as a company. Yeah. So for me, I've always been a deal guy, you know, and that's how, I, that's how we all are, right? right? We get into this business because we hear about somebody buying a multifamily building and making lots of money, or whatever it might be, and you, and you and you just have this endless pursuit of doing a deal, and you do all this work, and maybe you do a, a lot of work for a couple of years and you don't get paid very much, and then finally it pops, it pops, <laughs> and the last thing you want to do is go, okay, here you go, employees, you know, and then and then try to get more and, and scale. So it's it, you know, it's really difficult, and there's a lot of. Friction among your business partners your employees your work home life balance i mean it's not it's not easy you know <laughs> yeah no I know <laughs> and, and, and it's a real it's a real struggle so I feel like you know with this syndication model and, and the way we've structured our businesses it's really helpful to have acquisition fees yep because you know you're spending your acquisition fees on making strategic investments in your company which is hiring people it's it's building an office space it's uh, sending people to conferences. It's advertising, right? So all those things that you spend money on, it's no longer about you being savvy in multifamily. It's you being savvy in making strategic decisions in your company that will fuel its next growth. You know, think about, you know, we just read the book, the whole company read the book, Who, Not How. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of yep. our, our our latest book. And, you know, my my biggest struggle is, well, how do I do that? How do I, you know, how do I go about, you know, building a big capital program or finding lots of deals or hiring lots of people. But really you gotta be, that's not the right way to think. You need to be thinking about who, you know, who do I need to find to help me build my HR program, which we brought, we just brought on a, an HR uh, specialist to help with our hiring, you know, our marketing, you know, who do I need to help, you know, so we brought on a director of marketing who has experience, you know, building brands. But this all costs money, right? And in, does, the yeah. in the beginning, In the beginning, so tell me about that first dollar that you <laughs> reinvested. <laughs> uh, we invested the first dollars into uh, accounting okay. and marketing. Yep. So we had operations already in-house, right? So we had, you know, Scott and I, uh, you know, Scott being our CEO, setting our strategic vision, building the company, having that focus. And on development and building stuff, he's really good at that. So, so Scott was that was kind of his thing. Ben, finance, CFO, underwriting, acquisitions—you know, sort of that whole more of like a CIO in a multifamily yep. space, just kind of that whole well-rounded asset management, et cetera. Yep. We had Jackie who was focused on operations and you know hiring people and you know monitoring. This is,
0: this is in the property
1: management side. Yes. Yes. yes yep. Yep. And then we had Lindsay in the business intelligence side, and then I was in the capital raising side. So now we're like, okay, we kind of had that, that... Well, All seats were filled.
0: Full, I should say.
1: Yeah, at, sort of at the leadership yep. side, right? And then it was like, okay, what do we need help with? And it became very clear that we needed the finance, you know, bookkeeping. And you have two types of finances in this business, you know, corporate finance and property level finance. And Correct. you need to make those delineations very quickly and delegate, you know, okay, we need a property level accountants and accounts receivable and payable maybe even a controller and we also need corporate finance you know how are we doing as an organizational unit cuz that becomes very important when you when you scale employees sure. you need to have payroll you need to make payroll right so um, i think that strategic investments in employees that are in finance and accounting is is very beneficial i think that's the foundation because think about it if you don't have clean books if you don't have tax returns done if you don't have reconciliation correct, you can't get loans. Right, right. And you know when somebody's looking at your company to invest or whatever, you really can get messy in a hurry. So once you have that down, you have some operations and uh, you know deal finding and all that. The next person is marketing. Marketing at the property level, marketing the company. Yep. So uh, and really, you know, we made uh, you know more, um, you know, as we started it, and then and then it kind of scales from there. You start putting the building blocks in place, right? Like, okay, now we have all this. Now we have more properties in our portfolio. Now there's more of an operations need. Okay, so we need to focus there. You know, now we have more properties in our portfolio. Uh, Now we need more, uh, now we need more lenders, right? So now maybe your focus shifts to capital markets and who's gonna help me there? The who, right? Now how am I gonna get all those loans? Who can I hire? Who can I contract? Who can I partner with to get those loans? Yep. And then, Now you have the loans and the properties and now you got to start building all these things and who's going to help me build these facilities. So we brought on a director of construction uh, to build our construction company. And this person had, you know, Aaron Saunders is our director of construction, you know, 20 plus years experience building industrial for Casey Industrial. Very, very talented individual, very sharp guy. So we started building out the construction company. And he leads that effort with uh, Garrett von Mannen, who's do, who's our project manager. So those two have built the construction company, right? And uh, that's and really, these are old W two employees, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, and you know, partial owners as well. Partial you control. know, we we share in the ownership of the business and also in uh, you know perhaps equity and deals. You know, we we've really focused on. You know, incentivizing, motivating, and making, you know, making sure that everybody's in alignment to move forward together. And that's really important, especially in the beginning. Right. You know, those first few hires have to be, you know, really good. So I think that and um you know, and then it's like you have all this construction, and then acquisitions all of a sudden becomes more successful. And now instead of raising fifty million this year, you're raising 120 million. Wow. So now awesome. so now what do you need? You need more deals. Invest well, more invest. <laughs> More investor relations. Yes. Right. We're reacting to the deals, right? The deals are coming in now. And it's like, oh, wow, we've got all these investors and we need to take care of them and we need to give them an experience. So then you start building out your capital team. And so you just, you, you know, at the beginning of the year in December, when you're thinking about planning your next year, think about where is the biggest gaps in the organization? Yep. And the number one way we've helped kind of shape that is through Scott's leadership. And also we've added advisors to our company and a business coach and not a, who, not a who, who's business coach around uh, the point. Okay. Yeah. Just through he, traction. Like, he, yeah. Through, he, uh, what is it called? Um, he, EI, EI, EOS? EOS. EOS. Yeah. 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 And, and so he helps, you know, everybody's got ideas and everybody wants, you know, they're, they're caught at it, but really, you know, what are you guys going to, what is going to be the number one thing that changes the business? And we do rocks every quarter. Yep. We do company wide rocks. We do departmental rocks you know, what is your department going to achieve this quarter? When we do a company-wide rock, it's, it's uh, you know, what, that's the rock that's really important that goes across the organization and needs everybody to pitch in, right? You might need marketing, you might need finance, you might need IR and acquisitions to pitch into that. So I think, you know, having a planning meeting and strategic planning for the year to identify gaps is what's, what's helped us. And what we did in 2020 was we identified that we had the investors, we had the operations team. We had the marketing. We had everything, but we didn't have enough deal flow. Right. So we made it
0: a c- which would which are would, just gonna jump in. There. Which yeah. would be a cash flow issue if you've got payroll. Right. 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 Yep. So exactly. So yep. you have these people. You have this team. Yeah. But then you're like, oh crap, I've got to pay them. Right. Shit. I've got where the fuck's the deals? Right. Yep. Like so. Yep. So yep. you need to be like, oh crap. So 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 because it, you know, the real, where I'm going with this is that you don't want to then be have to do deals to pay. Right. Your overhead exactly, which is very, very Correct. as a as a growing company, you've got to be very careful with that because yep. you know, particularly in the syndication space, you don't just want to be shoving another deal down the down your throat just yep. to get the fees to pay Correct. everyone. Correct.
1: And so we hit a very important milestone at Spartan in 2020, where we were profitable. At you know, all of our investments are profitable, but our at the cor- corporate level, we paid all of our salaries and overhead and and made a profit. Fantastic, which was great. In 2021. Uh, same thing. We 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 hit our revenue goals. We had a company-wide goal at the Spartan level, not the portfolio level. But the Spartan level to to make ten million in revenue, mm-hmm. and I think we ended the year with like twelve or thirteen million in revenue. And that's that was a, that was a stretch goal. Uh, this year, across all uh, business units, we want to hit one hundred and twenty million in revenue. Wow, that's construction, property, yep. you know, the whole thing. Yep. Um, and you know, one thing that you got to think about is you know. When you're buying a deal, it's like the bank account fills up with the acquisition fee and then you spend it all on payroll. Yeah. And then, and then you buy another deal and the bank account fills up with acquisition fee and you spend it all on payroll. And if you're not selling assets, really the, the general partner's not making any money. They're just sort you of- a, You don't get a paycheck. Right, right. You're just you're just, you know sort of building this thing, right? right and right, getting right, right. the assets under management. But what's great about having a Propco, you know, property management company, is you get the reoccurring revenue. Yes. And so at some point- you're going to scale and be efficient, right? And you, you don't got to really hyper focus on efficiency, but all of a sudden you're going to have the monthly reoccurring revenue that can cover your costs. That can cover yes. your costs. So the, for the first time, and in, in Spartan Investment Group is starting off 2022 with enough monthly reoccurring revenue that we don't have to buy a deal in 2022 and we'll make a profit. That's fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. so all, all of our overhead. Now, we're not just going to sit back and not do do anything. (laughs) So we're going to be making strategic investments in new hires this year. And and it's a very, uh, you know, one thing you want to do is you want to build out your future state org chart. Yep. You know, okay, who do I want to hire this year? And what departments do they need to be in so that everybody's on board? And then you can kind of roll that up into a budget, you know, and say, okay, if we hire this many people, this is kind of what our payroll is going to be. Um, But, you know, we're in growth mode. And I think what's really neat is in this business of syndication, you can grow without outside capital. I mean, at your company level, right? Sure, we yeah. haven't sold shares in Spartan, you know, or taken debt on Spartan or anything like that. So I think it's a really cool model. And, and I, it's
0: a very cool model. But yeah. I guess the question for you is how big do you want to grow it? Because obviously, a lot of people get involved in this space to get time freedom. Yeah. Right. And then you don't want to ever create yourself a job. Right. So, how big is this getting? Sure. So, um, so every day I try to make it
1: not a job because it's uh, you know you're hiring somebody. You know if you're doing a lot of something, you should be thinking about who should be doing that instead. Right. So you can stay strategic and you can provide more opportunities for more people. Right. Right. If you're getting into the weeds on deals or into the weeds on, on work, you know you're not providing opportunity because you're doing that job instead of just hiring someone to do it and going creating more opportunity. Opportunity. Right. Yes. So don't think of it as you know I got to do everything. That's really it's hard for me because I'm a hard-working guy. <laughs> so I want to do everything myself, right? And so it's- Yeah, that 90-20 <laughs> rule like, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. You right, know, right, right. Yeah.
0: It's going to take me so much time to teach you. you know, right, know, it's right. Just to me, somebody, I'll do it. You and, know, and,
1: like, and I got to slow down and yeah. tell myself it's worth it. 100%. It's, it's definitely worth it. It's worth it. it. Yeah, it's yes, worth yes, it. Yes. very empowering to somebody else and it's worth it for me. So where do I want to go? Our vision is to enrich the lives of anybody that works for us and it and all of our investors anybody who's in the spartan tribe is we're going to enrich their lives and that means many different things to many different people so it's you know it's someone buying their first home as an employee you know it's it's uh an investor becoming you know a multi-millionaire it, it you know it means many different things to many different people but but we've sum- summarized our big hairy audacious goal of, of long term is We want to have we want to touch 100,000 investors. Wow. So, you know, self-storage is our thing. We're going to continue making that our vertical. We're going to focus on it. We're going to be good at it. But at some point, the portfolio might sell. It might turn over. It might turn into something else. We want to go into different verticals. You know, we want to go into private equity. We want to go into maybe we'll go into multifamily or office or industrial or life sciences or whatever it might be. And uh, but we know that having an investor base is what gets you there. Because if you have the the money, then you can you can build the company. And I think a lot of there's a lot of debate about what comes first, the money or the deal. Right. And I think hands down, unequivocally, it's the money, because if you have the money, you can hire these people. Right. If you have the if you can hire these people, then you can get the acquisitions team. If you have the right acquisitions team, you can you can you can you can can, can support the team. You can buy more people, get more people on board. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it's not you know, I, I was talking to some people at the conference this week and they say, Yeah, I got all these investors, but I don't have any deals And I was like, Well how how much could you raise yeah. right now? And they're like, Well, I don't know. And I'm like, Okay, a billion dollar portfolio lands in your lap. It's yours for the taking. Can you do it? No? Okay, well, money's the problem. Right. Because what if that deal I mean it's unlikely, but what if that happened, right? So I think if you just focus on building your investor network and building your company to buy assets and to manage and to run, I think you're always gonna have
0: that ability to scale
1: and grow. Yep,
0: I completely agree. Um, As we're gonna wrap the show up, one last piece of advice you can give to everyone listening who wants to get to your level, what is it? So we we do strategic planning every three years and
1: if you wanna download a copy of our strategic plan, I highly recommend you build one and that will help guide so many things. Uh, Scott, uh, his background in the military, you know, helped us build that strategic plan uh, through the military strategic decision-making process. And you know, he he put that together. And so, if you're just getting started raising capital, or if you're not really sure where you want to go, going through that strategic uh, planning process will help investors come into your network because they'll see that you have a vision. And it'll help guide where you go over the next few, few years and keep you straight on the straight and narrow, Keep you keep you focused on what's important.
0: And we're getting a bit of background noise here, so sorry for everyone on Instagram and uh, <laughs> listening to the show on uh, all, across all the uh, across all the platforms. But Ryan, where do people go? If they want to get more involved in your sphere, where can I reach you? Where do sure. go?
1: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn uh, and also our website is Spartan
0: spartan-investors.com, spartan-investors.com. Well, look, mate, I want to thank you for jumping on the show here live at IIREC 2022. I wish you all the best. Thank you. You And uh, I'm just pumped and excited for you to see where you're growing and to know where you've come from because I think that's really, really important. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in to continue to grow your financial IQ. It's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like the show, give it a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.